on the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. I want baseball back. I need something to do. Welcome back in, everybody. I'm Dominic Catronio. The second half begins tomorrow, if you're listening live. Thanks for joining us here on WTMJ. Don't forget, we're always available in podcast form after the fact with Brewers All Access, wherever you get your podcasts. So, what we are doing today with the episode, there's not much baseball to talk about, obviously, these last four days. We're first going to talk about the weeks ahead coming up here for the Brew Crew. Their schedule, the Reds' schedule, what are the big picture things right now happening in baseball. Then... We are going to talk trades. It's less than a month away from the trade deadline on August 1st. So what do the Brewers need? What are they targeting? What do they need to give up in order to get what they need to be a legitimate team moving into the postseason? So we're going to talk plenty of trades here coming up. A quick first-half assessment as well. Pitching, offense, fielding, and miscellaneous notes and bits from the first half. But that's in the past. The Brewers are a game back. Are you... About where they expected they'd be record-wise? I don't want to say standings-wise, but record-wise, do you think they're about where you thought they would be at this point of the season when you started the year? They're 49-42, and 42, nearly 50 wins in the first half. Now, they didn't get there. They got swept by the A's. They got swept by the Rockies. There's a couple of games that they certainly would love to have back. But I would love to hear your thoughts. 855-616-1620 if you're joining us live. 855-616-1620. We're also going to continue on with... A farm update. The draft has been completed. You may have seen some of the names taken. Give you a quick update on what happened in last year's draft and some looks down on the farm with AA and AAA also enjoying their all-star break. Tell you about what's going on with top prospects like Jackson Churio, Jefferson Caro, uh, Jacob Mizorowski in the Futures game in case you missed it from this week. Great stuff from those guys. Uh, and some schedule thoughts. 2024 schedule is out. It was released today. A five-day All-Star break in there. Fire me up for that. I might get even more golfing in this next year's All-Star break. But some key dates, some opening day stuff, all of that's also in the show notes here as well on today's episode. If you're listening in the podcast form, it's also linked on WTMJ.com if you want to see the uh, schedule for the Brew Crew for next season. And finally, we're going to wrap things up with a look at Major League Baseball at large. You know, what's going on with Shohei? What are the Cardinals going to actually do, and what do the playoff picture? What does the playoff picture look like right now if the postseason started today? Again, eight five five six one six one six twenty. Once again, eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Let's start though with just a quick preview of what's to come and the weeks ahead right now for the Brew Crew. Right out of the gate, starting tomorrow night, you're in Cincinnati. Three more head-to-head games against them in Cincinnati at Great American Ballpark. Corbin Burns is going to get the ball coming out of the break tomorrow, which is very good news for the Brewers. So he gets the start. He'll be going up against Graham Ashcraft, who's been trying to get it back together uh, in his sophomore season. Then on Saturday, it'll be Freddie Peralta against Andrew Abbott, who's been the great rookie who the Brewers beat up the last time they saw him. And then on Sunday, they'll finish with Adrian Hauser against Ben Lively, who pitched very well in the finale of that series, in the finale of the first half on Sunday. So looking ahead, you'll also see them again in two weeks. And I just want to go through it. The Brewers are one game back of the Reds coming into the second half. Looking at the schedule from now until the trade deadline, till the series that goes into the MLB trade deadline, 
Let's just compare the two stretches here for the Reds and for the Brewers. Starting with the Reds, of course, they host the Brewers to start things off. They host four games with the San Francisco Giants. And in case you haven't been paying attention, the Giants are firmly in the hunt for the wild card. In fact, they are currently uh, tied. Excuse me. They are in the lead for the wild card race in the uh, National League. I should say second place in the National League as they are 49 and 41. They're a really good team, and the Brewers certainly know it. They had their hands full with them all season long. So they get four, the Reds do, at home against the Giants. Then they're at home for the NL West leading Arizona Diamondbacks. That's not going to be easy either. Then they come here to Milwaukee in two weeks for a midweek series, the last time they will face head-to-head Brewers and Reds. Then they head out west to take on the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are still the Dodgers, and this is the last series before the trade deadline, and then they finish up with four against the Cubs uh, in Wrigley Field. So just to spitball, and let's make a prediction here, if the that's 20 games right there, let's say the Reds go 10-10 and 10 during that stretch. Maybe there's a couple splits in there. Maybe they win one of the series. Maybe they lose one of those four-game series. But I'm assuming they lose the series to the to the Brewers, both of the series, and that they lose to the Diamondbacks. Maybe splits elsewhere, and they win the series against the Cubs. Let's say they go 10-10. and 10. The Brewers' next 18 games are very similar with difficult opponents. You've got the Reds. Just mentioned them. Opening the, opening the uh, second half of them. Then you go to Philly next week, Tuesday through Thursday. Three games with the fight in Phil's. Then you're home for the Braves, home for the Reds. You go to the Braves, and then you go to the Nats. And during that Nats series is when the trade deadline is. If the Brewers are going to match the 10 wins, because they have two fewer games over this stretch, if the Brewers are going to match the 10 wins from the Reds, they need to go 10-8, and eight, which would mean series wins against both the Reds, both series against the Reds, a road series win against the Phillies, and I'm assuming... This is me giving the benefit of the doubt that the Brewers will lose both series, but at least salvage one game in both series against the Braves, the best record in baseball. The Braves are ridiculously good. Uh, I think you're catching them at a good time, though, where you get them over with in such a short span of time, right? And the good news is August does light up for the Brewers as well. After that Washington series, after the trade deadline, you host the Pirates, you host the Rockies, and you go to the White Sox. Three in a row against teams that will be tearing down, if not performing what they should. They're all under 500, And that's three consecutive series you should win. Then you go to L.A. That'll be tough. Then you go to Texas. I know they were barnstorming at the beginning of the year. Their offense has cooled off, and their pitching is a serious problem for them right now. We'll see what they're going to do here coming up at the deadline. Then you're back home for Minnesota. San Diego, who's probably going to tear it down. And then the Cubs. So I, I, I like what the Brewers have coming up in August if they can survive this next two-week stretch. And the other thing you got to keep an eye on, what are these big-budget teams going to do in the next two, two weeks? The Mets, they're 42-48. and 48. They're 18 games back in the East. They're done. They're out. The Cardinals, John Mosaloc said this week they are probably going to trade their players. They are probably going to tear it down. They're 38 and 52. I declared them dead last week. I know it was a hot take, but John Mosaloc is agreeing, their general manager, that they are done, that they're going to start looking at trading some pieces. The Padres, what are they going to do? They're 43 and 47. 
They built up this crazy extension-built team, and it's not performing. What are you going to do next? And then, of course, the Angels, they hold really all the cards with Shohei Otani. 45 and 46. Trout's out for a month. Otani's got a blister, but he seems to be okay. Rendon hasn't really been on the field at all this year. They have a revolving door at shortstop. What are they going to do? So those are the guys that really you got to figure out, okay, are they going to keep getting beat up? And are they going to have potentially open for business coming up at the start of August? I love this time of year when it gets really, really hyped up. It's really exciting to figure out who's going where, who's connected with what. Don't fall for the fake Twitter accounts. It's going to be even harder this year with everybody being able to be verified. But stay with the reputable stuff. I'm not going to retweet anything that I don't think is reputable. And uh, maybe we'll we'll find something out new. So we're going to talk trades. Let's let's figure out first pace. Let's figure out the DH. All right? Let's let's talk about that coming up next. 855-616-1620. I got a couple targets that I want to point out. Stay with us. Brewers Weekly. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Hope you enjoyed your All-Star break. We're back in action, baby. Tonight, we're Brewers Weekly. Tomorrow, Reds, Brewers, let the fun begin. Then another off day on Monday. So this is going to be a really big series coming up this weekend. The Brewers will be out rowdy, without Rowdy Telez for one more game. He's not eligible to come off the IL until Saturday. So with his forum information. The way that it was indicated to the media is that he expected to be a minimum stay. He was hitting before the All-Star break, so see if this little reset could help him get back on track, because they need him, and they need first base, and they need DH help right now. It is not rocket science to figure out that two positions that require power and require offense have been a couple of the main reasons why the Brewers have really struggled this season with their offense. When it comes to the designated hitter position, the Brewers are dead last in baseball in F-Work generated out of their DH spot at negative one and a half wins above replacement. Their DHs this season have combined to hit 199. Whoever is DHing, whether it's Jesse Winker, whether it's Jemai Jones who got option the other day, it is, doesn't matter. That is a collective number. And the majority of it obviously has been Jesse Winker. And the slugging is the worst part. The slugging is 249 as a unit at the DH spot. Nobody else is even in the twos. The next lowest slugging percentage out of the DH spot is 312. So I've got a lot of questions every day about Jesse Winker asking what's going on, how much longer can they stick with him. The answer is not long. The Brewers and Jesse need to find out which Jesse Winker is going to walk through the door over the next two weeks. Because if the Jesse Winker of the Mariners continues to show up, you can't afford to keep that around. You need to go out and shop and find somebody that is a DH. The other thing, too, with Winker, he is truly a DH only. I know he's played a little bit of outfield this year and in case of emergency basis and blowouts, but he's not going to play outfield when the game matters. And we know how this organization loves positional versatility and to have a guy that's just a hitter not hitting it's a hard pill to swallow right now they need something out of him over these next two weeks and I know they're facing good opponents but that's further the reason why they need it so Jesse Winker need to see some production out of him he knows it though he the the neck injury was something but I'm convinced he's healthy it's not easy to hit 
I'm not going to sit here and say that it's been sunshine and lollipops for him. He would agree. But at some point, rubber meets the road, you know? The Brewers are a contending team. And if you're getting the worst production in all of baseball out of the DH spot, something's got to give. And it's up to Jesse to figure out, is he going to be the guy that says, all right, let's get it back on track, start hitting a little bit more, let's get things going in the right direction like I was brought here to do, or the Brewers seek help elsewhere. And then the other position, of course, is first base. First base, the Brewers are second to last in war generated out of sec- out of first base at negative one and 1.8. Again, the slugging percentage is what is scary at 336. And yes, you guessed it, it is the worst in baseball. Rowdy, as we learned, wasn't healthy, but at the same time, he's no longer leading the team in homers. A year ago, he did lead the team in homers. He doesn't strike out a lot, which I give him credit for that, given what other first basemen can do, but yet, as a unit at first base, the Brewers have a 27% strikeout rate, which is second worst, or excuse me, uh, fourth worst in the National League, only trailing the Cubs, the Rockies, and the Braves. Now, the Cubs, they've had a revolving door at first base. The Rockies, they've had injuries from C.J. Crone, more on him in a second. And the Braves, I think they're living with that, with Matt Olson being an MVP candidate behind Ronald Acuna Jr., but C.J. Crone, let's talk targets here. I think C.J. Crone, a right-handed swinging first baseman, free agent to be out of the Colorado Rockies, would be a great fit. He just came back from injury. He did have back spasms. The reason why I think he's a great fit, it's a natural platoon. Right-handed, he hits against lefties. Rowdy stays in against right-handed pitching. And you could put Crone at the DH if you really wanted to, depending on the day and the personnel that you're looking at. Crone is a realistic option because, A, he's a rental. B, he's on a team that will be selling and looking to get any piece of of, uh, prospect capital they can get. And the price won't be that high, given he's got an injury history. Then you may be thinking, well, Dom, I don't want anybody with an injury history. I mean, what about, you know, what if we we swing for the stars here, man? What if we go big or go home? Like Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger would also likely... Be a rental. He technically has a player option for next season worth, uh, it's a mutual option, I beg your pardon, worth $18 million. Given the way that he's been playing this season when healthy, I'd be shocked if he accepts that mutual option. I'm sure he can get a little bit more in a multi year deal on the open market. So I imagine he would opt out whoever he gets traded to. Did you know that even though he's a left handed hitter, Cody Bellinger has been torching left handed pitching this season? He's got a 10.63 OPS against lefties. Five of his nine homers. Remember, he's missed a lot of time this year due to injury. We just saw him. The 4th of July series. Got a hit in every game. It's his birthday today, by the way. Happy birthday to Belly. 28 years young. For a rental rental bat, he can play center. He can play first. That's swinging for the stars. And if you maybe think, well, Dom, why would the Cubs trade him within division? The Cubs aren't making the playoffs this year. They're not. And they're going to trade Marcus Stroman, too. So why keep somebody that isn't going to be part of your future for the rest of the season, isn't going to help you get to the postseason this year, and yet when he turns down the mutual option like you imagine if you're the Cubs, you can try to bring him back next season. But I think it would be a swing-for-the-stars type candidate for the Brewers to get. 
And if you're thinking, oh, they won't trade within the division, I, I wouldn't be so sure because of the fact that they want to make sure they get something out of him in case he opt out, opts out this offseason. So those are my, my two sexy picks, if you will, for first base and for DH. But let's also be honest, you still got Keston here in the organization. Keston here continues to torch AAA like he's supposed to do. When do the Brewers say, all right, we've seen enough. You're coming back to the show, Keston. That's a question for Matt Arnold, and we'll have to find out how the market plays out for the next couple of weeks, but don't lose sight of Keston Hira. Another target I think the Brewers should be looking at is just bullpen depth. I'm looking at lefties in particular. For instance, a team that probably is going to start tearing it down here soon, free agent to be, Brooks Raley, lefty from the Mets. He's got tremendous numbers this season. Wouldn't cost too much. Can lighten the load on Hobie Milner. You would have to figure out what you're going to do in that bullpen in the 40-man roster. I, I think that's a great fit. And then you look at some of the other picks. I remember I, I mentioned Joe Kelly on this show before. Joe Kelly's got elbow inflammation right now. Maybe that's a buy-low candidate because of the fact that he's not going to be closing for you. He can give you multiple innings. He's right-handed. You want some more experience and some more depth out of that bullpen. That's a question but I would still look for bullpen depth. I think that's a place that you can never have enough enough depth, especially depending on what's going to happen with Brandon Woodruff. You imagine Adrian Hauser would then just go back to the bullpen if Brandon Woodruff comes back healthy and into the starting rotation. Depends on what the performances of Julio Tehran and Colin Ray will be over the next two times through the rotation, if one of them is going to get reassigned or cut or things of that nature, if the honeymoon finally comes to an end. But bullpen depth is never a bad thing. And what are you going to trade? What are you going to give up? Jackson Churio is untouchable. Okay, Jacob Mizorowski is untouchable. There's a rare case for that. But what do you have a lot of right now? Young, toolsy, up-the-middle prospects. They've got a couple 19-year-olds who are still in A-ball right now, like Hendry Mendez. Uh, I think of some of the young kids that are... I, I And I know Jefferson Caro is a top prospect, and he's a catcher. The Brewers have William Contreras for a long time. I wonder what they're going to do with Caro. You even got last year's first-round pick, Eric Brown Jr. You've got so many guys up the middle. Robert Moore. Eduardo Garcia is only 21 years old in high A ball. He's six foot one. This season, in uh, he's struggled a little bit. He's still so young for high A. He's only 193 average this year. The Brewers have a lot of youth in their organization. Do they sell it as a lottery ticket to get somebody into their organization? That's probably what they're going to have to do. Unless the name is Shohei Otani in return, and we're doing some CC Sabathia type stuff here, I can't see the Brewers giving up something like a Churio, a Freelich, a Mizorowski, unless you're getting some gargantuan return. That's a quick little trade segment here. Let's talk about the first half at at large as we get ready for the second half to begin tomorrow night. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Stay with us. Brewers Weekly. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Let's look at some numbers at large from the first half here on Brewers Weekly. We want to uh, address a text here real quick, though, from Amy on the program. When are we going to look at the hitting coaches and philosophy Instead of just the players. I, I understand the critique with hitting coaches. At the end of the day, though, 
I, I understand there's philosophy issues and folks thinking that it's the hitting coach's fault for the guys not performing this year. I've never been a fan of changing personnel mid-season. I, I I think people are conveniently quiet about the fact of the resurgence of Christian Yelich, how well William Contreras has still performed this year as a full-time catcher, uh, the development as Joey Weimer's trying to learn to hit the big leagues and being thrown straight into the wolves. I, I look at trying to find positives out of it. It is a fair critique, though. What are the Brewers going to do philosophy-wise moving forward? They've always said, let's take good at-bats. And you can see when they get away from taking those good at-bats, they really do uh, have their worst innings. You know, When you're swinging early in counts and when you're not putting bats of all, you're swinging at pitchers' pitches. I am very late to say that's on the hitting coach, and that's a matter of execution. But it's something I'm sure the Brewers are going to be looking at and thinking about coming up by the end of the season because the offense has been the story the last two years. And the Brewers have to figure out what to do next uh, and make sure they can make the postseason with the offense they have if they don't add any personnel. But let's talk a little bit about the Brewers' first half. I think it's really easy to pick MVP of the first half. It's Christian Yelich. Uh, it's been so much fun to watch him get back on track this year and to be Miami Christian Yelich. I'm not saying he needs to be 2018-2019 Christian Yelich. Yelich's first half, 284 average, led the team. 378 on base, led the team. A 456 slugging percentage, led the team. 834 OPS, led the team. 19 doubles, led the team. 11 homers, did not lead the team. 46 runs batted in, tied for the team lead with Willie Adamas. Leads the team in walks, leads the team in stolen bases. You get my point. Yelly's back, and let's get him some support. He's been great. Another guy that's been, had a topsy-turvy year, but overall, it's been fun to watch, Owen Miller. I believe I have warned you about the fact that Owen Miller did this exact thing, where he got off to a white-hot start and cooled off in June-July. So let's see him get back on track here before the end of July to get going in the right direction. First couple months of the season, tremendous. In April, he hit 273. Then in May, he hit 363. But then in June, and so far here in July, he's come back down to earth a little bit, 242 and 226 for those months, respectively. He did have three hits the other day in the opener against Cincinnati. went one for two in the finale with two walks against the Reds. On Sunday, there's another guy I forgot to mention as far as a success story that people forget about that he has played very well this season as a guy that the Brewers literally got for cash. Didn't have to trade a prospect or anything like that. Literally, the deal was cash. Owen Miller has been an honorable mention this season. We've already talked about Jesse Winker. We've talked about Rowdy Telez. Offensively, the last note I want to make is the reminder of the fact of how much the Brewers have relied on rookies how much they've had to do and carry this load. Joey Weimer, when you look at plate appearances this season, Joey Weimer has the fourth most plate appearances on the team this season. 303. That's a lot for a rookie. Bryce Terang, who even got optioned earlier in the year, he's at 219 plate appearances. That's actually the eighth most on the team. Another rookie getting so much playing time. And another reminder... Not technically a rookie, 
until you know midway through the year. Garrett Mitchell, if he was around, if he wasn't out for the year, this team would look very different as far as a dynamic speed power bat. The underperformances of Luis Urias and the underperformances of Rowdy Telez and the failed experiment with John Singleton and Luke Voigt trying to figure out what's going on at first base have certainly plagued this team. But yet, with all of the bad on the offense, the good has been the pitching staff. Specifically, the bullpen. With all, with, that's been a revolving door, too. I can't get over Yoel Piomps, how big of a improvement he has made this year. I mean, mind you, coming out of camp, we were talking about Javi Guerra, who is Piomps. Piguero didn't even make the club coming out of spring training. He was optioned because he had three option years remaining. We were talking about Piguero. We were talking about Matt Bush. And now, and Peter Strzelecki is still down in Nashville. And now we're talking about the fact that Figueroa has the 7th, Piomps has the 8th, and Devin has the ninth. Hobie will get the left-on-left matchup. You can get some length from a few other guys, like maybe Bryce Wilson. What a, what a find he has been. Gus Varlin making the team out of camp and being quickly DFA'd. Return to the Dodgers. Depth is never a bad thing. That's why I say a lot of... Depth out of your bullpen is never a bad thing. I, I think the bullpen as a unit has to be the story of the first half of how well they have played. As for the starting pitching staff, it's a little bit different. They've also been dealing with injuries. Only Corbin and Freddie have not missed a start. Corbin made 18 starts in the first half. His ERA did get back under four. I'm looking for a big first, a uh, big second half out of Corbin. And it seems as though he has been turning a corner over the last few starts. Ever since he got you know, knocked around by the Diamondbacks back on June 19th, that one where he allowed six runs in the first inning. Just going by the range since that start on June 19th, I'm pulling up the numbers right now as we speak on live radio. After that start, in his last three games, 18 and two-thirds innings, eight earned runs, that's a 3.86 ERA, but he's got the strikeout back, strikeouts back. He's almost averaging a strikeout per inning, 16 Ks, but eight walks. That's the big number I circle. Corbin struggles when he's walking batters. Eliminate the walks. Start commanding the zone a little bit better. Trust that your stuff is disgusting, specifically the secondary stuff. And I think he can get a really big second half going for the Brewers. Wade Miley. I know he missed a little less than the month with the shoulder issue. If he didn't miss that month, he would have been the all-star, not Corbin Burns, with Devin Williams, that is. Wade Miley, 306 ERA, 6-2. The Brewers have had a chance to win in just about every single one of his starts. A throwback, just puts the ball in play, dab gummit, as he would say it. 233 average against. That is the second best on the team, only behind Corbin Burns. Wade Miley has been awesome for the Brewers this year. I know we've talked a lot about Colin Ray and... Julio Tehran, I just want to make sure we differentiate pitching well and giving the Brewers a chance to win. They have given the Brewers a chance to win every single time they pitch in a game. That's all the Brewers can ask for from those guys. And I think they have done their job adequately. And if Brandon Woodruff comes back healthy, then I am all in on this team being a playoff contender. Because you get a healthy Woodruff, 
Corbin Burns, Wade Miley, and then Freddie's your fourth in that scenario? Sign me up. You put Hauser back in the bullpen. You you lengthen things out back there. I, I love everything like that. I think it's great stuff. A couple of texts that came in here before we take a break from the 920. Yelly leading in RBIs in a leadoff spot. Good observation there. That's very rare to be leading in runs batted. And that also gives some love down to the bottom of the order. This one from Mike and Cole. Brewers got to get a pitcher for sure. Could we go after Shohei Otani? How are you going to do that? You get rid of Rowdy and you're going to have another mental dive like we did last year. The Brewers have not been a really one to go after player except for Yelich lately or spend big money. That's why I say Otani would be... I mean, I don't, again, let me let me be clear. I don't think it's going to happen. I've said this on the program before. I don't think it's going to happen. The Brewers are going to get Otani. And do they want to blow up their farm system just to get one guy for a couple of months of baseball? No. Can we just sit here and imagine how much fun it would be and have memories of 2008 with CeCe? I don't know about getting rid of Rowdy. I, I, I think he's going to be on this team. I think putting him more in a platoon role, taking a few at-bats away, putting him in a position to succeed against righties, and bringing in somebody in to face lefties for Rowdy, that would be what I look forward to for the Brewers. I don't think Rowdy's going anywhere. That's my thought anyway. Uh, let's look real quick at the farm system, how things are going, and after the draft being completed, that's coming up next on Brewers Weekly. Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I see what you did there, Matt Sossler. Down on the farm, playing a little banjo action. Let's go down on the farm, shall we? Down in the minor leagues. Let's start with the guy on the top of the, all the prospect lists. The 19-year-old wonder kid, Jackson Churio. At the midway point down in Biloxi, 71 games under his belt. Youngest player in AA. 249 batting average. Only a 304 on base. He's young. He's still striking out a lot. 69 strikeouts. In 322 plate appearances. That's actually not that bad of a rate. That's a 21% strikeout rate. Which would put him right on par with MLB league average. But you know that rate is going to climb as you go to higher levels. But again, he's 19! 19! Let's tap the brakes on how quick he's going to be here. But I love 14 doubles, 11 homers, 23 stolen bases. He has been as advertised. He was in the Futures game. He went 0-4 for in the Futures game. But again, he's 19! Kid's a freak. I can't wait to see him in spring training. He's not going to make the team out of spring training next year, but there's a very good chance he's up if he continues to perform in like September of 2024 and then have a real chance to make the team in 2025. But Chorio has been fun to watch. Real quick on Keston Hira. His numbers in AAA this year, 316 average, a 598 slugging, a 996 OPS, 14 homers, 7 doubles. And maybe you're saying, well, Dom, I don't care. What What's he doing Against left-handed pitchers. Funny you ask that. Against lefties, he's hitting 333. Granted, that's only in 60 plate appearances. And in fact, six of those 14 homers have come against left-handed pitching. He's walking a little bit more. Six walks in those 60 plate appearances against left-handed pitching. He's back. He's healthy. He had an MCL sprain earlier in the year, but he's back and playing more ball. Been playing a little more first base as of late. Earlier in the year, he was pretty much exclusively playing left field and second base. Now he's playing a little more first base in DH. So I wonder if that's a sign of things to come for him. Some other guys you may want to talk about down in the minor league. Sal Freelich, he's had an injury-riddled season. He fouled a ball off his knee. He had a thumb issue on a jam thumb, damaging some ligaments there. Sal's had a stop-and-start year, and his numbers reflect that. A 623 OPS in just 33 games in Nashville. So... 
For everyone clamoring for Sal Freelich to come up to the show, and I have done that too, I, I think we can pretty much put that to bed unless he goes on a ridiculous hot streak, hot streak moving forward for the for the Nashville Sounds. Uh, other prospects that are around the organization, let's say Jefferson Caro, who is also in the Futures game. Caro hitting two eighty nine down in Biloxi with a four ninety eight slugging as a catcher, twelve homers, eight doubles this season. Caro, Venezuelan catcher, he's only twenty years old. He'll turn twenty one uh, in October. Here's a kid that you really need to keep your eye on. And lastly, Jacob Mizorowski stole the show in the Futures game on Monday. Mizorowski struck out all three outs that he recorded in his one inning of work, sitting at 100 miles an hour. The tall, lanky right-hander is in Appleton for a little bit longer before they send him to to double-A Biloxi, but Jacob Mizorowski continues to move up this organization. The Brewers want to keep him as a starter as long as possible before they inevitably maybe make the move to him to be bullpen. But hey, if you can sit 100 for your out of the whole start, might as well keep it as long as you can. So the draft is also done for the Brew crew. They're Number one selection this year, a third-base power hitter out of Wake Forest in Winston-Salem, Brock Wilkin, 71 homers, ACC record in his career. Now the couch down there at at Winston-Salem is a hitter-friendly ballpark, but who cares? He rakes. Graded a 70-grade raw power. They followed that up two picks later in the second round, 54th pick overall. Mike Bovey, a contact-first third baseman from the left side. Bat to ball, 60-grade hit tool. But in between that, the 33rd pick overall, Josh Noth, a high school right-hander. It's been a while since the Brewers have taken a high school right-hander. And a lot of pitchers in this draft, a lot of them, out of the 20 selections they made, 15 of them were pitchers. Two were third basemen, and three were shortstops. No outfielders in this draft. Well, they're kind of set in the outfield for a little while. When Garrett Mitchell returns, you got Wiener, you got Freelich, you got Churio. You got Perkins. They got Yelich. They don't need more outfielders right now. That's a quick update on the draft. I don't want to go too deep into the draft just because, as we know in baseball, these guys aren't going to be here for a few years. Let's let it play out, let their careers begin, and revisit things in a year or two time. But congrats to everybody who got that done. Chaos is not over yet with trade deadline season on the way for the front offices. I know they are not sleeping at all right now. But congratulations to all of the Newest Brewers farmhands joining the organization. Let's talk a little bit up next about the 2024 schedule. That came out here today. Some key dates and some road trips I think that you should go on to watch your Brewers. Stay with us. Brewers Extra Innings. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Real quick, let's look ahead at the schedule here for 2024. First thing, the anomaly of a five-day All-Star break is because the Brewers will come out of the break facing the Minnesota Twins. Of course, those are always two and two, home and home. So there's always an extra off day built in with those with the geographic rivals. So that's why it's a five-day All-Star break. So uh, I might be already making some vacation plans as we speak. Anyway, key dates. Opening day will be on the road, not in Chicago, but in another cold place, New York. Out in Queens, taking on the Mets. Thursday, March 28th is opening day, 2024. You get the built-in rainout day on Friday, and then you finish up that two-game series. Then you get another off day on Monday, and then you come home for Tuesday, April 2nd, being the home opener against Minnesota. 
Some uh, key dates. The 4th of July will be on the road this year. 4th of July will be in Colorado, part of a West Coast trip where they go to the Rockies and to the Dodgers. And also the Yankees are maybe the marquee homestand of the year. The Yankees will be coming in late April. Otherwise, pretty standard uh, opponents next season. Nothing really flies off the page to me aside from your usual NL opponents. Now, I want to give you a, a quick pick for some road trips, if you want to pick, you know, early start planning some vacations, you want to get some inspiration here, I got three picks for you. First of all, go to Camden Yards. That is an awesome ballpark. I know the Brewers were there last season. You didn't get a chance to go because of the lockout and everything. Go this year. April 12th to 14th. It's a weekend in Baltimore. It won't be too hot. Love that ballpark. Camden Yards is a beaut. Absolutely love it. 10 out of 10. Can't recommend it enough. Next up, spend a weekend at Fenway. The Brewers were there last season as well. Go take advantage to go back there this year. And you get an off day leading into that. So the 23rd is an off day. And then you spend the weekend 24th, 25th, and 26th at Fenway Park watching the Brew Crew. So that's a lot of fun. And then finally, you can spend a full week in Southern California in June. June 17th to 23rd. The Angels and Padres back-to-back out in SoCal. Go have some fun and enjoy the beach and enjoy some sun. Get your tan on. That sounds like a really fun trip to me. The Brewers have 16 home games, by the way, in September. So it's good to have that home cooking coming down the stretch like they usually do. So that's just a quick little peek. It's all available on our website, WTMJ.com, for the uh, 2024 schedule. Quick little look at MLB at large and get you ready for the broadcast schedule this weekend. Brewers and Reds coming right up. Second half is on the horizon. Don't go anywhere. WTMJ. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. All right, last minute and a half here of the program. Got a text asking about what's going on with Tyrone Taylor. He was down in Nashville on rehab assignment leading into the All-Star break. The Brewers did option Jemai Jones down to the minor league, so there is a roster spot available. I do not know. The Brewers did not immediately make clear who they are calling up to replace Jemai Jones on the active roster. We will find that out. Tomorrow morning. As for the broadcast schedule this week, the Brewers and Reds in Cincinnati all starts tomorrow at 5.35 for network coverage uh, right here on the home of the Brewers. 6.10 first pitch tomorrow and on Saturday. Two night games this weekend. 6.10 first pitch on both of them. Then a 12.40 first pitch coming up on Sunday. I've got Brewers warm-up for you on Saturday at 5 o'clock, leading into network coverage at 5.35. So again, we're on the air 5.35 tomorrow, and then 5 o'clock on Saturday, and then we're on the air at noon on Sunday. This is a big one. The Brewers win this series against the Reds. They will be, uh, they will have the season series, I should say. They will have won the season series head-to-head against the Reds, meaning if they end up tied at the end of the season, The Brewers have the tiebreaker. There is no more game 163. So a very good opportunity for the Brewers to take it and try to find a way to get out in front. I don't care about the standings now. The fact that the Brewers are in it is good. All that matters is the standings at the end of the year. My thanks to all of you that listen live. My thanks to Matt Sossler here, our producer of the program. I'm Dom Catronio. Here we go. Second half. Keep on swinging.